Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. Last week, I promised you that if Oregon landed the big commitment to Tario McMillan, the number 27 player in America, the number five wide receiver, and the MVP of the opening finals, that we would have a podcast. So here we are, even though I'm fighting a cold. So if you hear me cough, if I sound nasally, that's what's going on. But we had to do a podcast because there's a lot going on. Not only McMillan's commitment, he goes by T-Mac. We will refer to him as T-Mac the rest of the way, but also a preview of Jalil Tucker's decision, the number four athlete in America deciding Friday, and also a key decommitment as Washington four-star defensive lineman Ben Roberts decommitted from Washington, all signs point to Oregon, plus Amani Bates, who was the number one prospect in the class of 2022, reclassified to 2021 and set his official visit to Oregon. All of that in this episode, but first... We've got to get to Oregon's hot month of August on the recruiting trail. I mentioned, uh, I wrote an article about a week ago that Oregon could have a massive haul, a massive haul in the state of California. And that started with 24-7 sports, four-star cornerback, Jalil Florence. I, I mentioned that, you know, six foot one, 180 pounds, new to football, but really, really talented, incredible athlete, lightning fast, really high ceiling. And I mentioned that might be the first domino to fall. And that this week was going to really define how Oregon did this month because Oregon desperately wanted T-Mac and Oregon desperately wants Jalil Tucker, the number four athlete in the country announcing Friday. If they get those three California athletes, they are absolutely dominating once again, not only Texas, as we've seen with five commitments from the state of Texas, but also they're back to their old tricks, blanketing the West region. And and anybody who's followed recruiting for very long knows if you're doing a great job in California, if you're a West or if you're a Pac-12 school, you're doing a good job. If you're also supplementing that talent with Texas talent, you are off to a blazing, blazing hot start with a chance to have a really phenomenal recruiting class. They get Jaleel Florence. We go in to Monday's decision for Team Mac. Again, the number five wide receiver in the country, the number 27 prospect in America. And you go into that commitment and all along, everybody's heard that Arizona leads. I, I mentioned the last thing I'd really heard that I felt good about from someone close to his recruitment was that Arizona was ahead entering his Oregon visit on June 18th. Now that's a long time. And Oregon also, of course, had that visit, which can make a big difference. Turns out, it did. McMillan is an absolutely phenomenal talent. When you look at this kid, he's the highest rated offensive skill position player in the Mario Cristobal era. There's been higher rated prospects overall. Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Kelvin Banks. Those guys are all high, more highly rated as recruits but not from a skill position standpoint. Also, Ty Thompson was a five-star recruit on Rivals, one of the top 15 players in the country. But this is based on 24-7 sports rankings. So based on 24-7 sports rankings, he's the highest rated offensive skill position player in the Mario Cristobal era, one of the highest rated wide receivers in the history of the program behind only Cameron Colvin and Troy Franklin. That's how good... That's how good this guy is. Now, Troy Franklin is higher rated in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. It all gets 
com- uh, jumbled up, frankly. The 24-7 sports composite rankings are an average of ESPN, Rivals, and 24-7. In those rankings, Troy Franklin's slightly higher. In just the 24-7 sports rankings, in just 24-7 sports rankings, McMillan, T-Mac, is higher. So, it's a huge commitment. Not only did the, does Oregon beat out Arizona and USC, his other finalists, but also McMillan, as, as Greg Biggins from 24-7 Sports mentioned, he's compared to Keenan Allen. This is a kid who's projected as a first-round NFL draft pick, and the biggest highlight, and really, I think, the, the biggest statement is the opening finals is the camp for the top prospects in America. 160-something of the top prospects in America go and compete for a week all against each other. It's drills. It's one-on-ones. It's seven-on-seven. They all compete against each other, and and you're really looking to make a statement from that camp. Past MVPs, guys like Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, we've seen great athletes come out of this camp. If you get the MVP, not only does it kind of make a statement about your competitiveness, because there are guys that go, they like to have fun. There are guys that go, and they're phenomenal players, but they go to that camp, and they kind of blend in. Because they're, they're not standouts because every single guy that's there is a phenomenal player. So to really stand out and be the guy, the player out of the entire camp that everybody says that's the best player here is an absolute statement. T-Mac is a monster receiver. And truly, in, in my opinion, he is the most impressive. He's the most talented raw receiver this Oregon football program has ever gotten in the history of the program. Yes, Troy Franklin's a faster prospect. Yes, Troy Franklin probably has a higher ceiling because of his 40 time. But McMillan's catch radius is off the charts. He's a great route runner for his 6'4", 185 pound frame. He can go up and get it. He high points the ball. And as Greg Biggins, who's seen him in person, I haven't gotten a chance to see him in person yet, but I've asked Greg Biggins about him. And he said his best quality is probably his ability to time everything and go up and get the ball at the absolute apex of his ability. So he's going to climb the ladder and time it just perfectly to come down. He's got excellent body control. This is a guy that almost can't miss. And and when you see Greg Biggins compare him to Keenan Allen, when you see Greg Biggins put an NFL first round grade on this kid, that tells you because Biggins doesn't mess around with his with his comparisons. Nobody's going to put a Keenan Allen comp on a kid that isn't phenomenal. Keenan Allen's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Big body receiver, he came out of Cal, one of the five, six best route runners in the entire league and incredible hands. That's what Oregon's getting in McMillan. If T-Mac doesn't play in the NFL, it'd be shocking. And suddenly, you look at this Oregon-wide receiver group, and a couple years ago, it was the biggest problem in the program. And there are years, Oregon has a 20-30 year run of really not producing elite-wide receivers. And and I know Oregon fans have, you know, there are certain players near and dear to Oregon fans' heart, whether that's Christian McLemore or Tony Hartley in the 1990s, whether it's Sammy Parker, Patrick Johnson, Keenan Howry, Jeff Mayle, Josh Huff, Dylan Mitchell, those are all talented receivers. None of them made a big, big impact in the NFL. They just haven't. None of them were top two round, top three round NFL draft picks that went on to do big things. Oregon has not traditionally been a wide receiver school, but Oregon brings in Brian McClendon. Brian McClendon, as I wrote when they brought him in, this could be a massive game changer for the program because Oregon's biggest bugaboo on the recruiting trail is the wide receiver position. If Brian McClendon can work his magic and do what he does, he'll solve it. And sure enough, here we are. 
And McClendon has solved it. And this is a guy who brought in Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb to Georgia. Okay? The guy knows how to flat out recruit. Flat out. When he was a running back coach, Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb. That's a pretty good start. It's a pretty good start. Two of the best running backs in the NFL. That's on his resume as a recruiter. What does he do at Oregon? He brings in Troy Franklin, who's the second highest rated receiver in program history. He brings in Dante Thornton. He brings in Isaiah Brevard, an Under Armour All-American, who at this point, and no no slight to Isaiah Brevard, is a very talented receiver. He's almost an afterthought because he's the fourth or fifth best receiver Oregon's gotten in the last 18 months. And if you look historically, he'd be one of the top 10 to 15 receivers the program's ever landed. But because you get Troy Franklin, because you get Dante Thornton, two guys who are already making an impact this fall camp where people are already saying, man, they're incredible. Troy Franklin's running with the ones as a true freshman. Dante Thornton's going to be a superstar. Isaiah Brevard, an Under Armour All-American. They get Nicholas Anderson, who's the number seven receiver in the country, an Under Armour All-American out of Texas earlier in this cycle. And now... You bring in T-Mac, who I think right there with Troy Franklin, those two guys are first two round NFL draft picks potentially. They're phenomenal. They're superstars. And suddenly Oregon solved its wide receiver position. And that doesn't even include Isaiah Tatania, the Arkansas product, who broke two state records as a sophomore in high school in the 60 meter in the 60 meter hurdle and won five individual state titles as a sophomore. He's a slot receiver four-star prospect, the nation's number 188 prospect in the country in this cycle. Again, another player who's almost an afterthought, not in terms of the coaching staff, not in terms of the way they view them, and not necessarily in terms of the way fans should view them, but just in terms of the rankings. Because you got Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton and Nicholas Anderson and Isaiah Brevard and and T-Mac, those guys are all insanely highly rated. And suddenly, Oregon's positions of weakness from three, four years ago linebacker and wide receiver are the program's positions of strength. And that speaks to Mario Cristobal's ability to identify the weak points in the roster, find the right coaching staff to develop them, and also find the right coaching staff and right coaching personnel to recruit them. It's a phenomenal effort by Mario Cristobal. I don't think people fully understand the difficulty, the degree of difficulty that comes from recruiting a position that your program isn't known for. It's hard. Because Troy Franklin can be sold at Ohio State and Alabama and and you know in Michigan, frankly, and even USC as we've produced a bunch of elite wide receivers. Oregon can't say that. They're having to say we are going to going forward. This is going to be the new normal and you've got to get players to believe in that. And sometimes it's hard to sight unseen to decide that's the way you want to go. But Mario Cristobal and his staff have overcome it and have, I think, arguably in the last two recruiting cycles, one of the top three or four recruiting classes in the country, when it, or last two recruiting cycles, have one of the best uh, core of receiving cores in the entire country. You go back and look and, you know, Ohio State's up there, certainly. Alabama's up there, certainly. Oregon's got an argument. Last two recruiting cycles, tons of talent at receiver. Tons of talent at receiver. An unbelievable get. And Oregon may not be done in California. Yes, Jaleel Florence, four-star cornerback, got a chance to be special. Yes, T-Mac got a chance to be one of the best receivers in the history of the Oregon football program. But on Friday, Oregon finds out if they get Jaleel Tucker, the number four athlete in the country, down to Florida State, Oregon, and Washington. And let me just tell you, as much as can be a slam dunk, it's a slam dunk. Jaleel Tucker's going to be a duck. 
Phenomenal recruiting by this Oregon coaching staff. I said last week, two out of three of Florence, T-Mac, and Tucker would be an A, A-minus effort. Getting all three is out of this world. Oregon came from behind to get T-Mac. He's the opening finals MVP. He went to a camp that's all alpha dogs and was alpha dog of all the alpha dogs. Jalil Florence is a phenomenal athlete. He's the number 33 corner in the country, but Oregon did a great job of evaluating talent, identifying him as a player with a high ceiling and going and getting him. Jalil Florence has a chance to be 25 spots better than he's rated. It might not be that long before we're talking about Jaleel Florence as one of the better corners, or you know maybe he's a nickel, or maybe he's a safety. He can do a bunch of different stuff. We could be talking about him as one of the most versatile DBs in the Pac-12 three or four years from now because he's such a good athlete, and he just started playing football. And then Jaleel Tucker is this lightning fast guy who ran like a 10-700 as a freshman in high school. You got a chance to bring him in. Unbelievable corner. Oregon suddenly loaded, and not just that, but Oregon lost some of their key recruiters, Coach Dante, Keith Hayward. Those are not only DB coaches, but they're DB coaches connected in California. So you think San Diego product, Lincoln High School products, Jaleel Florence and Jaleel Tucker, it might make it harder for those guys. It might make it harder for Oregon to pull in those guys because their main California connections, Coach Dante and Coach Hayward, are also DB coaches and are gone. No problem, says Oregon. No problem, says Mario Cristobal, and brings him in. And suddenly this Oregon class is top 10 in the country. I think it's going to be really hard for Oregon to best last year's group without having some cuts. And there's no other way to put it. Oregon took some guys early that haven't developed. And you can look down at the bottom four or five commitments in this 2022 recruiting class and say, uh, some of these things are not like the others. Oregon suddenly has a bunch of really talented players and is still in the mix for Cyrus Moss. They've got Kelvin Banks as the headliner. T-Mac is the number 27 player in the country. Every year, 24-7 sports drops their five-star list on signing day to 32. As of right now, if T-Mac stays where he is on signing day, he'll be a five-star prospect. Cyrus Moss is in that bubble of 32. He'd be a five-star prospect. They've got a chance to have multiple five-star prospects. And then you look at the bottom of the list and they've got some low-level three-star guys. I think it's possible that we see Oregon part ways with a few of their prospects that are lower on that list and go after some big names. And the reason for that is they are still in the mix for some huge talents. I've heard prospects tell me that they're hearing from kids that are highly rated. They're really interested in Oregon and telling the coaching staff and the coaching staff is telling the recruits, we're, we're going after so many guys that are interested. I don't know if we can, we can pursue that guy. Now, that's from the recruits, so who knows if that's true or not, but I've heard it from enough places I believe that to be true. That recruits are like, man, coach, I'm getting hit up by these guys. They all want to be ducks. They're all interested in Oregon. They all want to visit Oregon. And the coaching staff is like, tell them we're full at that position. And I'm talking about highly rated kids. That's how good this class is. That's how high the interest is. 2023, I think, could be Oregon's best recruiting class ever. 2022 is the current class. I think it's going to be a top 12 to 15 class nationally, and it could climb into the top 10 if Oregon parts ways with three or four guys. But the interest is out of control right now for Oregon. It's higher than I've ever seen it. And I don't know if it's the NIL rules. I don't know if it's the this coaching staff. It's probably a blend of everything, including preseason buzz, including what people expect from the future of this Oregon team, which is mostly 
led in terms of the star-studded talent by freshmen and sophomores. The best players on this roster are, are young. I know apologies to Kayvon Thibodeau. But most of this roster is very young. The projection is that Oregon's going to be better next year and the year after that than they are this year. Kids want to be a part of that. Prospects want to be a part of that. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of excitement around the Oregon recruiting class and this Oregon football program. And I think it's going to pay dividends in 2023. But Oregon's not done in 2022. We're going to take a quick break. A major, major decommitment in the Pac-12 that is going to not only stir up a rivalry, but also going to lead to good news for the Oregon Ducks. A major shakeup in the Pac-12. Washington four-star defensive lineman Ben Roberts on Tuesday morning decommitted from the Huskies. And if you like drama, if you are all about the narrative of a recruiting uh, recruiting cycle, this is a big one to follow. Ben Roberts, six foot four, two hundred ninety pound defensive lineman out of Utah, commits to Washington. Washington has a rule. You visit another school, they'll consider pulling your offer, that that's the rule. You visit another school, there's a good chance your offer is getting pulled. He secretly visits Oregon for Saturday Night Live. I did see him there. I didn't mention it because I knew exactly what it might do, that it was going to be a problem for the kids. So I did see Ben Roberts at Oregon Saturday Night Live camp and chose not to publish anything about it. Uh, didn't seem like he wanted to do an interview about it, so I, I, I left it at that. But he visits Oregon for the Saturday Night Live camp, and I immediately think, okay, I'm going to watch his Instagram, I'm going to watch his Twitter, let's see if he posts photos of this, because if he posts photos, it's going to cause a shakeup, and it's going to cause a rift with the Washington coaching staff. He visits Oregon for Saturday Night Live on July 31st. Sure enough, August 5th, he posts a photo gallery, five, six photos of his Oregon visit to Instagram. And right away, it starts a back and forth between Oregon and Washington fans about, hey, you're going to have to pull this kid's offer, haha, because he visited Eugene. And sure enough, Tuesday morning, Ben Roberts decommits from Washington, a major decommitment. It drops Washington's class from number 40 in the nation to number 48. Keep in mind, the Oregon Ducks are number nine. And suddenly, Washington is just sliding when it comes to recruiting. Jimmy Lake was asked by a reporter this week about decommitments, and he said sometimes with young kids, that's what happens. But it's more than that. Jimmy Lake, who was billed as an upgrade as a recruiter over Chris Peterson, has been anything but. He has absolutely struggled. They miss out on JT Tuomalau, the five-star defensive lineman, out of uh, Sammamish, a, a a close neighbor to Seattle. They lose out on five-star wide receiver Emeka Ebuka, both those players choosing Ohio State. In the previous recruiting cycle, G. Scott Jr., a wide receiver who's moved to tight end at Ohio State, he chooses Ohio State and leaves. They have struggled and simply put, failed to capitalize on historic amounts of talent coming out of the Seattle area in the past couple of years. And Jimmy Lake's seat has to be hot from just a recruiting standpoint. I don't, I don't speak to his results on the field, but from a recruiting standpoint, I, I imagine Washington fans are not happy. And it looks very likely, I've put in a prediction, it looks very likely that Oregon will add Ben Roberts into the fold, six foot four, 280, 290 pounds. They already have Sermels out of Nevada, six four three ten, and Dave Iuli, who's a Washington product himself, six foot four, 315 pounds, size up front. Dave Iuli could play either way. He could either be a guard 
or a defensive tackle. Sir Mel's is definitely a defensive lineman at 6'4", 310. And if you add Ben Roberts, suddenly you're looking at a very, very stout uh, defensive line up front in Oregon. Even if those guys aren't elite five-star talents, one, they're four-star talents. They're, they're very good players. You can develop them, and with Sir Mel's, with Jason Jones, with Ben Roberts, you can rotate those bodies inside, and you've got three or four 300-pounders you can rotate to the heart of your defensive line, keep those bodies fresh. That's been a goal of Oregon's for quite some time. It's been something that Mario Cristobal and, frankly, all Oregon coaches have struggled to do because it takes getting a 300-pounder or even two 300-pounders along the defensive line every year to have a stockpile of three or four or five of those guys who who can rotate in Oregon suddenly has it and, and that's huge. And Ben Roberts again has not officially committed to Oregon by any stretch. Uh, that is my prediction, but I do think they will get him. And I do think that Oregon suddenly has a luxury item in that they have uh, somewhat monopolized the talent defensive tackle in the West region, huge for the Oregon ducks uh, transitioning to basketball Big news on the basketball front. I mentioned we'd keep you posted on Amani Bates. He was the number one prospect in the class of 2022. He reclassified to 2021. In doing so, 24-7 Sports makes him the number four prospect in 2021. Uh, ESPN makes him the number three prospect in 2021, but he remains a top four prospect nationally even after reclassifying and competing against young men a year older than him. And what's wild, and I I don't think people fully understand this, Chet Holmgren, I believe, was kept back a year or is just older. Chet Holmgren is almost two years. He's the number one prospect in the class of 2021, according to, I believe, ESPN and 24-7 Sports. He, uh, He chose Gonzaga. He's almost two years older than Amani Bates. He's almost two years older than Amani Bates, and they're in the same recruiting class now. Amani Bates has set visits to Memphis on Wednesday, and he will visit Oregon on Friday. Amani Bates, again, the number three prospect in the class of 2021, according to ESPN. He was number one in the class of 2022 before reclassifying. He is visiting Oregon this weekend. But in the last podcast, and I've said this a couple times, I had heard it's roughly down to Oregon or the G League and that the other colleges would surprise me. There was a major change in that narrative because Jalen Duran, who's a class of 2022 five-star prospect battling with Imani Bates for the number one prospect in America, he also reclassified, but he committed to Memphis. And Amani Bates and Jalen Duran are close. The opportunity to be a one-two punch at Memphis is appealing. Suddenly, Memphis, Oregon, and the G League are all three strong options. I think Memphis might hold a slight lead heading into these visits over Oregon in terms of college options. The G League's the wild card. I don't know how strongly he considers that. So those are the three schools or three options that I consider to be very, very real and very much in play for Imani Bates. Keep in mind, Imani Bates, because he's so young, because he reclassified, he is not eligible for next year's NBA draft, the 2022 NBA draft. He cannot enter the NBA draft until 2023, unless there's a rule change, and there might be. But unless there's a rule change, he still has two years of basketball, two seasons of basketball before he can enter the NBA draft. His dad has been on record as saying whatever college he decides or whatever professional league he decides, he will take it on a year by year basis. Just because he commits to Memphis, just because he commits to Oregon, even if he chose Michigan State, that wouldn't mean he was going to be there for two years. He could go for a year or even for one season, 
get out of school, and then the next year play in the G League. Everything is on the table for Imani Bates, but it's a year-to-year, season-to-season decision. It will be interesting because it is coming to a head. And again, with Jalen Duran's commitment to Memphis and reclassification, I do think Memphis has a slight lead over Oregon. That being said, these visits are going to determine a lot this week. Memphis Wednesday, Oregon Friday. I promised you a big hit broadcast. T-Mac commits, Ben Roberts decommits from from Washington, and Amani Bates sets his Oregon official visit. The recruiting trail never, never slows down. We're in August, and things are going wild again. Uh, it just never seems to let up when it comes to recruiting these days. It is year-round, which is great for my beat, frankly. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast, The Recruiting Trail, wherever you get your podcast. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. We talk about five-star prospects. Yeah, we talk about three-star prospects and four-star prospects, but you're here for five-star prospects. Hopefully, you see this as a five-star podcast. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. Appreciate you.